This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast in association with Footy 5, the new free-to-play score prediction game from the pools. How it works is you simply predict five correct match scores and you could win 25 grand. And even if you suffer a near miss and get four match scores correct, then there's still up to two grand to be won. To play 45 this weekend, visit thepools.com. That's thepools.com. You need to be in the UK and over 18 to play. And I'm Joe Rimmer. The Reds are still unbeaten. They're no longer top of the table, but still unbeaten. And I'm joined by three giants of Liverpool. James Pearce, our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, is with us. How are you, James? Very good. Thank you, Joe. Theo Squires, how are you? Good, thanks, Joe. And Daniel Kay, how are you? Hi, Joe. You okay? Nice to see you. James, we'll start with you. You were in the press box yesterday to watch Liverpool draw nil-nil with Manchester City. Um, decent point in the end? Yeah, well, especially when Riyad Mahrez has stood over that penalty with yeah, five minutes yeah, to go. Yeah. I think any Liverpool fan would have quite happily taken a point at that stage. Um, yeah, it was a strange game. You know, so different than, than, than certainly what I was expecting. I think most people were expecting, you know, another open thrilling end-to-end contest like we had what was it the four games last season 18 goals they shared between them you know loads of incidents and talking points and controversy this game was very different I think um, you know I think Klopp touched upon it before the game that he said at Melwood on Friday that he felt that it was a shame that this game was coming at the time it did both teams having had quite a tough schedule Um, certainly Liverpool was more difficult than City's but and I think we saw that in terms of it, it didn't quite have that same spark and edge to it that we've come to associate when Liverpool and City face each other. And also, I think a big part of it was also the way that Pep Guardiola set City up. I think, you know, I'd, I'd never seen him set City up to play so deep and defend in numbers and just look to contain and frustrate and slow the game down at every opportunity. And he did a job, really. You know, and they, they, City only really showed some ambition in the last 20, 25 minutes. That nearly got them the win, but yeah, I thought on the balance of play, you know, it was a, it was two excellent teams effectively cancelling each other out, and a draw was about right. Theo, do you think both sides, and in particular both managers, having faced each other quite often last season and in the years before that at Bayern Munich and Dortmund, do you think they sort of altered their styles a little bit to to sort of. Both, they didn't go hammer and tongs, did they? Yesterday, it was it was more conservative style from each side. Do you, th- do you think that was the case? Yeah, definitely. I think when we look at the games last year, the free flowing ones, um, those were the games when City they'd already won the league pretty much. We already knew they were going to win it. And the Champions League games, there was something for stake there and then. When you're playing in October, you don't want to quite show your hand, so to speak, because the title's not going to be won now. Whilst these games against the big teams are going to be decisive come May. Uh, it's important to just get that one point. And as we've seen, we've got three teams now at the top of the table on 20 points. You've got Arsenal and Tottenham only just behind. It's going to be very tight this year. So it's probably the best thing both clubs could do at this time for their hopes long term. What were your thoughts on the game, Dan? Liverpool have come through a very difficult period now with their wins at Tottenham, a draw at Chelsea, now a draw at City. Quite it's, admirable, isn't it? I think so. It's been a really kind of arduous section of the season hasn't it that began with Tottenham away at Wembley on the 15th of September and it's been what seven games in 22 days I think and Liverpool have emerged from it relatively unscathed I mean I have to be honest I did fear for us a little bit yesterday particularly on the back of what happened um, at Napoli in midweek it's one of those kind of ironies of football that you know when Sturridge pings that goal at Stamford Bridge and there's just such euphoria and there's almost a certain element of give us the trophy now 
and then se- <laughs> seven days later, well, obviously I exaggerate a touch, but but yeah, you know, then seven or eight days later, if we had got beat, it would be two defeats in a row, and Liverpool are in a crisis club again. We're looking at it's no wins in four, is it? A lot of people well, saying. That, that, yeah, obviously that that is one way to look at it, but it's. Um, for Liverpool, as Theo said, to be joint top of the table with 20 points from eight games, that I think if you average that out over 38 games, that gives you a 95-point season, which I think is what we're all demanding, really. Or maybe not demanding, but certainly... You need that now, don't you? Well, you that, that. that's that's the level, I think. I think if, if we to realistically look to win the Premier League title, 85, 86, 90 points, it's probably not enough. It's got mm. to be upwards of 90. And Liverpool are... Already hitting those numbers without, I don't think anyone would say that Liverpool have clicked into gear yet or no. come even close to being near to their top level. And they've also negotiated some of the more tricky fixtures of, of the season. So um, you, you never like to walk away from Anfield. Obviously, our record there is fantastic these days. And you never like to walk away from, away from it without a win. But I think, I think as time goes on, it will prove to be a very valuable point for Liverpool, I hope so. Right, well, we'll talk over player performances and perhaps some midfield issues in more detail quite shortly. But first, lads, James, I'll put this to you first. Worst penalty you've seen <laughs> in in the flesh? Since probably Charlie Adams. Charlie Adams. Yeah. Sergino yeah. in Istanbul. Were you there for Charlie Adams? I was there for Charlie yeah. Adams, yeah. Sergino's in Istanbul was pretty bad. Yeah. Theo, any bad ones? I can remember Shaila Amiobi missing one for Bolton once. <laughs> it's not quite the same. No, no, not quite the same, but it was a bad one. I don't even... If you watch back as well, I don't know whether you saw this, James. I've been there on Sky, and they pointed out that Akterberg was pointing towards yeah, the top yeah. left, well, his top, so the goalkeeper's top left corner. Right. He was telling Alisson to go that way, so they clearly done their homework, but he didn't get anywhere near it, did he? Well, either me or you would have saved that as well. Yeah, too high for us, James. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it was yeah, it was a bit strange. I mean, what I couldn't believe afterwards was it was put to Guardiola about you know. He had such a poor penalty record. Was he? Had he missed four of his previous seven? I think yes. was it. Yeah, it went further back than that. It was like five from eight. Was yeah, it? Yeah, really and um, I think I saw something today that I think only one Pablo Angel has got a worse <laughs> Premier League penalty record apparently than Mares. And, and Guardiola said, oh, I, "I had no idea." No, and, yes, you know, yeah. and it's just amazing <laughs> in this day and age with huge backroom staffs and such attention to detail and everything that. He, w- he wouldn't know that. He just said, oh, I, I thought he looked good when he was taking yeah, him in training. Good. So we gave him duties. He, I mean, you could see that Gabriel Jesus was, was gutted. He wanted it, didn't he? And yeah. ended up backing down. And um, yeah, it was just, you know, he obviously completely bottled it. And and thankfully for Liverpool that he did. What's yeah. funny about those uh, Pep comments is uh, the last one Maris took was actually against Manchester City, against Pep's Manchester City, was and he it? missed it. Yeah. But then you think if Gabriel had taken it, well, Brazilian teammates, Alisson, who's going to have the mental upper hand mm. there? Because yeah. they're both going to have taken quite and a few Aguero in summer. If had been on the pitch, he would have taken it. Yeah. But he'd, only be, he'd been subbed not too long before, hadn't he? I seem to remember um, Maris going low a lot for like a sort of Hazard-style penalty for um, for Leicester. So I wonder whether that was going through his mind if he's missed them before, going low and thought, you know what, I'll put my laces through it. Last year had gone the other way as well. Yeah. So yeah. it's completely different from him. Yeah, maybe just change things up. Right, anyway, we'll move on to more Liverpool issues. Uh, first of all, James... You tweeted after the game that you thought Henderson was man of the match. I'm sure you got universal <laughs> agreement with you after that one, didn't you? Do you know what? My favourite reply was um, one fella replied to say that I was the reason why football never comes home. Wow. <laughs> Which not, I thought was Not Henderson, enough. you. That I mean, because no. apparently comments like that are why Jordan Henderson gets picked for England and that's why England don't win World Cups. 
How can you live with yourself, Which James? Does make, yeah. does make perfect sense. Does make sense, sense to be fair. I've actually seen an article today where people are going on about Bellamy's comments about Henderson and using you as a reason why you're wrong. Why Bellamy's actually the real <laughs> oracle here. Hang on, sorry. <laughs> using James? Yeah. Hang on, do tell us more. We, we, we don't know anything about this. Breaking. So who's written this article? Yeah, give me sport. Give me sport. So, so they've done an article saying that you've done that tweet and that was your opinion, right. but you're wrong. Craig Bellamy yeah, yeah, yeah. has tweeted this. Oh, no, tweeted Craig- this. Craig Bellamy said that Henderson plays far too deep. Uh, it's always sideways, whatever. He said it on Sky. And then they've got all these fan tweets saying, yeah, Bellamy knows what he's talking about. It's great to see the media finally say this. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, James, do you have any defence? No, no, no defence at all. No. You wouldn't, wouldn't take Craig Bellamy on, would you? Yeah, yeah he's only little. You're only little. Yeah. <laughs> Not with these heels on. The, um... James will bring his three woodies laughing. <laughs> so join uh, us next week with Craig Bellamy's a special yeah, guest on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I, do you know what? I genuinely thought Henderson was great yesterday. I know a lot of people, I just find it bizarre, the agenda oh. against him, that people just won't have a good word said about him. You know, I thought Henderson was poor in midweek in, in Naples, as a lot of people, a lot of his teammates were that night. But I thought certainly in the first 20, 30 minutes when Liverpool were, were right on top of City, that he set that tempo, his urgency, the way he used the ball, you know, he moves it quickly. Um, you know, I don't get this, this this thing that he only ever passes it sideways is just absolutely ridiculous. For a start, this is not true. And also, you know, in the role that he plays, you know, of course, you know, he's, he's, lo- you know, he's, he's looking, he's that link between defence and attack. So sometimes he is moving the ball across the field, and especially, you know, I'd rather someone passed it sideways to a teammate than, than forward and gave it away. Um, so I, I, yeah, I thought on, on a day when, you know, there was a few contenders, I thought, I thought Lovren, um, yeah. you know, had a little bit of luck, obviously, with the, the, the penalty shout with Aguero in the first half, I thought, considering that was his first Premier League appearance of the season, I thought that he was he was absolutely excellent, you know, especially with some of them big, big blocks and tackles he made second half. Um, and Van Dijk, obviously, you know, a bit of a rush of blood for the penalty late on, but he was immense again. But yeah, I don't the, the idea that Henderson was some kind of weak link in that Liverpool team yesterday. I'm not even there. It is strange. Well, I have to say it. I don't like to admit this, but I do fully agree with James. I, I thought <laughs> I thought Henderson played very well. Thought he set the tone. With some really good interceptions and tackles early on, um, and and drove them forward quite well. And I think yeah, he did probably fall a bit deeper, but so did Liverpool as, as a team. You know, it, it's it's not down to one player at times. So look, I, I know I don't know. I guess you two agree. I don't know what, what, what anyone well, disagree about Henderson. I'm not going to disagree. I, I thought he had a good game. I wouldn't have had him in my top two or three for man of the no. match to be honest. I, I, did, I did get slightly frustrated that 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 kind of little spell just after the penalty miss when all of a sudden the crowd was massively up. We had a couple of balls in the box. We had him penned in a little bit, and the ball came out to him kind of midway in their half, and he kind of almost went back to the goalkeeper. And I kind of thought, you know, don't you don't take this thing out of this attack here and there. But <coughs> no, it was no question about it. He was drastically improved from midweek along with <coughs> much of his teammates. I do think it was the kind of game that kind of suits him to, to a degree in that, all right, City didn't have as much of the ball as we would have expected. I mean, the, what a very interesting stat that I read in James's match report was that they had their, their <coughs> ball possession was 51%, which is the lowest of the whole Guardiola era. And I think that's kind of like a quite significant kind of <coughs> sign about how they tailored their approach for Liverpool <coughs> but obviously the, the the absolute quality that they've got right throughout their squad um, made it clear that he was always going to have a lot of pressing a lot of closing down a lot of kind of leading to do on the pitch and I think I thought he did that 
in a way that I would expect, you know, a Liverpool and England captain to do. And he had, you know, from my point of view, a very solid seven, seven and a half out of ten performance. Yeah. I've actually thought Anderson's probably got forward a bit more than we've seen in yeah. the last couple of seasons. There's been a few incidents where I thought, oh, he's on the edge of the box. Maybe that's because uh, when Adam's now getting used to a more deeper role, so it's more shared responsibility. Yeah. yeah. And um, with Henderson, I suppose part of it is we're used to seeing Steven Gerrard driving forward, playing those amazing Hollywood passes. Jordan can still do them. He's just not Stephen Gerrard, and he's never going to be Stephen Gerrard. No, that, that's and some people that's never right. Yeah, for that. yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's a fact. It's difficult. We've been accused before, I think, on this podcast of, of giving Henderson too much backing. But I think, I mean, it's almost unanimous within our sports department. I think a lot of us appreciate his talents and what he does. And if you want to come on and disagree with us, then great. Yeah, let us know. Right, we'll move on. Uh, Dejan Lovren, uh, James, you mentioned him. Uh, Danny came back in, didn't he, yesterday, and he made quite the impact. But there was a lot of people before the game, I don't think, wanted to see him back in the starting lineup. What did you make of his performance? <coughs> I thought he had a really solid game. I mean, I've, I'm generally a big lover and fan. I think, I've, yeah, he's been written off so many times. I think he showed immense character to kind of overcome the hurdles that he has done, both in his Liverpool career and, you know, outside of his Liverpool career. And, um, <coughs> yes, he was probably a little bit fortunate with that incident in the first half. I mean, I was actually on the cop yesterday for a change swap seats so I had a pretty good view of it and my initial instinct was blimey that's a penalty I mean we've seen it back on match of the day too I think whoever's doing the co-commentary or the analysis said that <coughs> excuse me clearly clearly there was contact but was it enough to justify a penalty and maybe that's the way the referee was looking at it but I think second half there were two tackles in particular when he kind of got a little bit isolated and <coughs> The, the you know the opponent was about to take him on and basically if he got past them he was virtually through on goal. The one on Jesus. There was one in, yeah. one on Jesus. I've, yeah, I've seen him. I've seen a clip of this morning, and um, that was the Dejan Lovren that was a, an absolute force of nature alongside Van Van Dyke in taking Liverpool to the brink of European glory. So mm-hmm. it was a bit harsh on Trent to get dropped on his twentieth birthday. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like strong performances yesterday, I think I don't think anyone mentioned Joe Gomez when we were going well, around the team. I had him written down, but you've just ruined it. So <laughs> I was going to ask Theo about him. Sorry, Joe. Go on. Go on, I'll have to but think of something I, else. I, bear in mind, he's, well, he's not played right back probably for the, <coughs> well, certainly this season. And really kind of like, first half of last season, it seemed like him and Trent were interchanging quite a bit at right back, but then Trent seemed to get more of the nods as the season wore on. But to my mind, uh, there, there was, I suppose there was that, it, it was his kind of miscued clearance that came back to Aguero yeah. for, for the penalty yeah. shot in the first half. But apart from that, he didn't put a foot wrong. I think particularly second half, he really seemed to kind of try and get on the front foot that bit more and get down that line and get a few crosses in. There was one late on when he charged to the byline and put quite a decent cross in towards storage. You kind of seemed to miss time his leap a little bit and didn't really get any purchase on the header. Um, but see, yeah, I, I, you know, there, there won't be many teams that, that keep Man City to a clean sheet this season. They have, they are a fantastic football team. There's no getting away from it. And um, I think, you know, all five members of the, of the back four, that makes sense who Irish played the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Theo, I don't think anyone's mentioned Joe Gomez just yet. Uh, <laughs> he played very well, very well yesterday. Oh, Dan, <laughs> sorry, Dan, smooth, t- tearing out the headphones from their sockets. Uh, I'm sorry, sorry, we, we, he's he's disappeared. Now we'll get back to it. Theo, um, <laughs> I don't know what's gone on. Can, I hope they can cut this bit out. Have you upset him? <laughs> I don't know. He's going to go and do it all on his own. It's going through your list. Dan's just walked out. I don't know what's what's happening. We've all had enough of you today, Joe. It's, it's testing me. That he's back. He's back. Right, 
Theo, I was asking you about Joe Gomez, who Dan has just spoken about, I know. But yeah, he moved to right back yesterday. He's played very well this season uh, at centre-half. I noticed that quite a few people were having a bit of, go- bit of a go at Doily for his player ratings. I'm all for people having a go at yeah, Doily, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Carry on having a go at Doily. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of people picking out the fact that he didn't give Joe Gomez, I think he gave him a six. Hmm. Didn't give him anything higher than a six. Thought it was harsh. Do you think that's harsh? Yeah, um, I suppose you've probably given him a lower rating if uh, the back pass led to a penalty. <laughs> but um, yeah, considering yeah. he's not played right back since last season, and it's not just the end of last season, he missed, what, the last two months? Um, with England, he's been used to playing centre-back as well, so he's got to learn that position again. And it's probably the right game for him to play there because we looked at uh, Manchester City, they were dropping deeper. I think as soon as they lost the ball, the full-backs dropped back. Mm-hmm. Liverpool were deeper as well, obviously. Maybe a bit of fatigue in there. Uh, there was that respect between the teams. So if it had been the games we'd seen last season where the players are both bombing forward, it might have been the wrong one for Joe Gomez. But when you're having that bit more of a conservative approach, he defended well, he did his job well. And as Dan said, he was getting forward more. We've seen uh, more maturity from him this year. Certainly. Virgil van Dijk gave the penalty away at the end, James. But I think in general, we all agree that he had another fantastic game, didn't he? He held his hands up afterwards and said he shouldn't have dived in. Uh, What did you make of his performance? Yeah, top class again, apart from obviously that one blot in his copybook. Yeah. But um spoke to him afterwards. Even even that was quite refreshing, the fact that he just kinda of held his hands up and said, Yeah, do you know what? It, it was mm. you know, a bit of fatigue it was kicking in, just mis misjudged it, brought him down, it was a penalty, and now you know, he was the most relieved man in inside Anfield, the fact that it didn't it didn't cost uh Liverpool uh, a couple of points. So no, he was he, he again he just showed everything that we've come to expect of him in the, in the way that he He's a leader back there. He organises teammates. You know, I think he makes Lovren a lot better as well. Yeah. Just, you know, he brings out the best in him because he is just a, a calming influence back there. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it was an absolutely nailed on penalty. It was just a bit unfortunate when he, because I think he, it was just, it was a split second. You know, Sane is obviously quick and, um, you know, he was, he was a couple of inches away yeah. from I think from he actually got on something the on the ball, didn't he? But not enough to... Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a penalty. But, um, but I thought, you know, in general, again, Liverpool defended brilliant. You know, it's amazing to think, you know, still February, uh, Mikel Antonio, still the last opposition player to score a Premier League goal at Anfield, um, which, you know, which is, which is amazing when you think of the, the games that have come and gone um, between then. Um, and yeah, I thought... I don't want to defend Ian Doyle because no one wants no to one, do no, that. No, but don't, if you, no I'm going to, just don't a tiny, just a tiny bit. In we'll the fact this that, bit out. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I thought Gomez did all right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had him down as a man of the match contender just because I actually, you know, I think maybe he was under orders, but also I didn't think he provided that much going forward. And I think it was just a bit of a shame that obviously Klopp had decided that Trent was fatigued. Um, you know, would have been gutting for him to miss out on his what was his twentieth birthday. Um and I think so a lot of Gomez's work was was more defensive in a game where City didn't really show that much going forward. And obviously it was another day when Raheem Sterling fl- flopped abysmally on his yeah. return to Anfield. So he Gomez did a decent job on Sterling, but to be honest, he didn't really have to have to have to do a huge amount, I don't think, to keep him quiet. Um I felt for Gomez a little bit because I thought it was a little bit harsh shifting him out of the middle because I think he's, you know, he's he's played so well there and there was a couple of mistakes. Obviously, one that nearly led to the penalty yeah. with Lovren and Aguero. But yeah, in general, I thought he was I thought he was solid. But for me, I think the two centre halves, Henderson and Wijnaldum, were were better. Liverpool have conceded three goals in the Premier League this season. Done. Yes. This time last year, same amount of games, twelve goals. 
they haven't half improved, and I think the well, signings of Van Dijk and, and Allison have made a massive without question. I mean, you've you've taken me on to something that I wanted to raise. I think it was a, a sort of tweet I saw from Jed Ray, the, the official club statistician, last night, saying that the last time at Liverpool had conceded so few goals at this stage of the season was that famous seventy eight seventy nine season when I'm sure you were a mere strip of a lad. I mean, it was just. An ambition of me, mum and dad. So but the, that, the, that 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 was the he season. Lo- he looks a lot older than he actually. He's is. had a hard, hard paper around on it. Um, but that that's the season. You know, people that, that reds that know the history will know that seventy eight seventy nine Liverpool cruised to the title, only conceding sixteen goals over forty two league games. So that is the kind of level that Liverpool are operating on now. And you know, but where worth repeating, Liverpool have now played Chelsea, Manchester City, and Tottenham, who were three of the best attacking teams in the league. Mm-hmm. So. Having that, you know, of, you know, it's a blind man can see. I'm sure we'll move on to it at some point. That Liverpool are not scoring the kind of goals that they were last season, and that we were kind of expecting them to, and, we're, and are hoping that they will later in the season. But what is obviously mitigating that, and meaning that, in spite of a kind of like no better than decent stroke good start to the season, Liverpool are still right in contention for all the main prizes, is because they now have that defence really locked down. And what's encouraging is that you know they, they haven't conceded many goals, but the ones they have conceded, you, know, you think back to the one at Leicester, they've been, some of them have been poor goals. But there's that mental resilience to them now that when a mistake, you know, when a mistake does happen, the whole house of cards doesn't fall down. Then they do have that kind of solidity and kind of belief that they're good at what they do, and you know they're able to kind of take on the best attacks in in the country and in Europe and not get breached Dan alluded to it there Theo Liverpool creatively haven't been as good this season um, a lot of people pointed the finger at the midfield following yesterday's game and I think in general this season we'd all agree that perhaps Liverpool are lacking a little bit from midfield is that down to perhaps a, a bit of a change of style from Jurgen Klopp they seem more solid this year is it down to poor form a combination of, of factors what do you think um, I don't think it's necessarily anything new because that three were the three that couldn't create anything in the Champions League final, if you remember, and we've said that before. Mm-hmm. Um, they've played a lot of games between them, and they just don't have that spark, do they? Like Gini Wijnaldum has never been the attacking midfielder at Liverpool that he was at Newcastle, and while James Milner's been in the form of his life, and we've all seen the assists he's been putting on a plate for some of these forwards, um, they're not finishing them. And it does miss something like an Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Naby Keita hasn't been the player we saw against West Ham or in pre-season. And there's just something there that's not quite clicked yet. The Blood Red Podcast, brought to you by Footy 5. Play today at thepools.com. James, any concerns about Naby Keita? I mean, let's face it, before the start of the season, in pre-season, I was very excited by him. I thought he played very well. A lot of people on social media, which isn't like people on social media getting carried away <laughs> about him. First, um, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And even your good self admitted before that you thought he'd be up for PFA Player of the Year. Uh, that, that's where, where are you getting that's that what accusation you said, from? That's what you said before? Rubbish. Rubbish. But should we edit this bit yeah, out? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just delete the whole thing. <laughs> that's you. what happened on Friday, so we might as well just do it again. Uh, any concerns about Naby Keita? Uh yeah, I must admit, I expected more from him than we've seen so far, you know, after all the hype and, you know, waiting 12 months for him. And also, I thought he had a really good pre-season. Um, you know, it was showed you know, kind of real flashes of, of quality. Um, and obviously, yeah, his, his his debut was was impressive. But for whatever reason, so, you know, he hasn't kicked on since then. And I think I think that's the, fr- the frustration, the fact that I think we expected him to be that, 
different, yeah. that kind of kind of game changer in midfield that maybe Liverpool didn't have last season that would add a new dimension to the team. And it hasn't happened yet. You know, obviously, it's ridiculously early to be making sweeping judgments about him. Um, or you know, saying that he might be PFA player. Of the yeah, year. Anything, <laughs> anything like that. Um, you know, it was a bit bizarre yesterday that you know he's playing in a game of that magnitude three days after being discharged from hospital in Naples with, you know, so he hadn't had the, the ideal preparation uh, when he came on, but yeah, he wasn't able to make any real impact on the game. I think the spotlight's only really being shone on the midfield now because the front three aren't delivering. You know, that there's, there is actually nothing wrong with a, a midfield of Henderson, Milner uh, and Wijnaldum when the front three are on fire like they were for the second half of last season because you control a game you know, your fullbacks are providing quality service from the flanks and those front three are, are wreaking havoc uh, on the counter-attack. But, you know, f- for whatever reason, you know, I, I thought Firmino was really, really poor yeah. on Sunday, arguably one of his worst games for the club. Right? Someone who you've been so used to in those games against City, he, him like setting the tone and, and really being a nuisance and a thorn in their side, but was just never really involved and... I thought Salah did okay, probably yeah. the most lively of the front three. But again, without you can see that he's short of confidence. You know, that's now the first time he's ever gone four games for Liverpool without a goal. Um, Mane's now on his worst ever run for Liverpool, seven games without a goal. Um, I was looking back at it. I think it's you know, the three of the, obviously the last goal between the three of them was that Salah tapping against Southampton. I think Liverpool have had six and a half hours of football since and the only two goals they've scored were obviously Sturridge's worldie at Stamford Bridge and Sturridge's what turned out to be just a consolation in the League Cup. So that because they're not delivering for whatever reason, now people are looking at the midfield and go, well, hang on a minute, we should be expecting more, which to be fair, you should. You know, you look at the, I think when, when Aldum's got one goal, that was from a header from a set piece. Milner's got two, both penalties. So you do need contributions from other areas and Liverpool aren't getting it at the moment. You know, obviously they're missing Oxlade-Chamberlain. Um, you know, if it goes on, if it, if it becomes an issue over an extended period, then, you know, you, people will inevitably look at the January transfer window and say, you know, if, if the answer's not within, then you have to go out and buy someone. You know, of course, there was a lot of talk in the summer about the fact that Klopp clearly wanted Nabil Fakir. That deal fell through and he didn't. Injured after five minutes, just so did he? Uh, yeah, was it that dodgy knee again? Or no, no, that away to Paris? Yeah, yeah, the back went yeah. mad, didn't he? Go so, mad. I mean, that you know, whether it'd be interesting to see what happens going forward on that. But if the front three start to fire again, then and, and Kaiser starts to deliver what we all think he will deliver, then you know, the, the debate will move on probably to a different area of the team. Can I just suggest a name here? We've uh, seen him score yesterday, Aaron Ramsey. He's been linked quite a bit, yeah. Out of contract at the end of the season, isn't he? Yeah. Got a big wage, Look, like, but yeah. James Liverpool signing Aaron Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he he certainly played, I saw the highlights of their game yesterday, and he looked like he was a player that was playing for a move. He, uh... <laughs> so yeah, announce Ramsey. Yeah. <laughs> Start it now. <laughs> Dan, any concerns about the forward three, about the midfield three? Well, there's concerns in that they just they haven't really gelled yet, mm. and I don't think the managers found the right blend or the right balance yet. I do kind of feel that, um, you know, I, I'm I'm satisfied with where we are in general. And we've got through this kind of, this, you know, a lot of people said before Tottenham, this chunk of the season could define Liverpool's season. I never kind of felt that was going to be the case. But I, I look, you could look at it and think, 
<laughs> this spell won't necessarily win anything this season, but it could lose. It could lose at us yeah. if we had you know, a couple of you know, damaging defeats. And obviously, that hasn't happened. We've got through it relatively unscathed. But if I did have one criticism, it's that you know, even though we're, we're only just into October and it's you know, not even the quarter of the way through the season yet, they have looked a little bit leggy in the last couple of games. And I did expect him to use the squad a little bit more than what he has done. That being said, of course, it has been a very demanding set of fixtures in terms of the opponents we are facing. And you look at the next chunk, I mean, the first three games after the break are Huddersfield, Red Star, Belgrade Cardiff. and Cardiff. And then they play Arsenal. And then, and, then, and then a week's rest and then Arsenal away. And you you would certainly imagine that um, the likes of Shakiri and Sturridge and Fabinho perhaps may get a bit more game time there. And I can understand why if he maybe thought, I want to try and get through this this big critical chunk with as close to my first 11 as possible. And, you know, you could look at the points and say, well, that hasn't exactly failed, has it? But I just I just wonder if one or two, with one or two tweaks here and there, we might possibly have got a little bit more out of them. We've spoken before about the front three. You know, I, I, it, they were never going to carry on exactly where they left off in May. You know, and it's not just the fact that they were all involved in the World Cup. They all have very disappointing World Cups. I mean, obviously, everyone's gone on about Salah and obviously his, his shoulder and couldn't really perform for Egypt, but um, Mane's Senegal was knocked out in the group stage. I think, did he get one goal? Or I don't know if he... I don't Mane did score. Yeah, yeah, I, think, yeah I, th- I thought he got one in the World yeah. Cup. Whereas Firmino hardly got a kick for, mm. for, for Brazil. He, this, this, I'm pretty sure Gabriel Jesus, who he showed again yesterday, he's a good player, yeah. did not score one goal for Brazil in the World Cup and yet started ahead of Firmino in every single match. So psychologically, as well as like the physical tiredness and coming back to training late and not really having a proper summer... There's, there has been a bit of a hangover from that, and the midfield still clearly is a, is a work in progress. So, it's 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 been a bit stuttering, hasn't it? And they've, they've, there's nothing like the kind of fluency, or creativity, or fluidity that we would you know waxing lyrical over last season. But I'm not massively concerned because it's it's a long, long season, and Klopp has clearly just clearly made it very abundantly clear to his players that. We are a work in progress, but we need to be delivering points on the table now. And they have done 20 points in eight games. I think we'd all assign for that in mid-August when we started. OK, well, we'll park the game there um, as it is the international break. What did Klopp call it yesterday? A, a useless competition? Yeah, he's league? not a massive fan of this. Senseless, uh, wasn't it? Senseless, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, nations, well, the Nations um, Cup has not got his seal of approval. I, I agree with Klopp fully. Well, yeah, seeing as it is the international break and we're going to have to try and find things to talk about, luckily it is... Three years since Jurgen Klopp joined the club today. Today, so I thought we'd have a little matter about our favourite moments, our favourite signings, or perhaps our worst moments. So we'll start. We'll go around the table. We'll start with his best moment since coming to the club. Theo, we'll start with you. What What is it for you? Um, I think for me, the Manchester City quarterfinal victories. Um, it'd be easy to say like the Roma game, but I think there was probably an expectation that we should do Roma over Manchester City and that home game. I wasn't expecting us to knock them out because they were dominating the Premier League. Perhaps one of the best managers that the game's ever seen. Um, and then even when you've got that 3-0 first leg victory, you're still half expecting City to be able to turn it around. So to then fall behind early on, get an away goal and actually win, that we've seen Klopp's go, I want to turn doubters into believers. That for me is a believing moment. Doubt's gone. I don't think I've gone into a game thinking Liverpool are going to lose since. So that's, I think, a real changing point and a great moment. James? Um, yeah, I mean, I think probably the best moments have definitely been the big European nights at Anfield. I was I was just racking my brains, and a, a, a weird one that I absolutely love is that five four in Norwich. 
Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, I, I know obviously you can't compare that to some of the big. <laughs> it was a great, just, great moment. Wasn't yeah, it? and I just it the glasses, quite, Ben Yeah, it was the right. broken glasses and and you know and the, the Lana getting that, and it just kind of epitomised the well, just like the drama of what Klopp has provided. You know the you know the end to end thrilling attacking style of football. Um, and, the, and just uh, that never say die spirit that that you think he changed. There's a little cherry on top of that. Was that the weekend Ian Doyle uh, tried to persuade some bouncers to let him into the club because he had a press card? Or something like that? <laughs> In no, Norwich. It was, no, it was that, no. That was the previous. That was the oh, previous sorry. visit there. I think when he um, no one of uh, one of one of our friends couldn't get into the nightclub. And then, so he decided to get his press card out to try and convince them to let him in, and it failed miserably. But um, yeah, I think that was Ian Dawes' last visit to a nightclub. He, he, <laughs> he, he retired ungracefully after that. Um, but no, that that that's a personal favourite. But then, of course, you know, in terms of high stakes contests, I mean, Dortmund was just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I know it was only Europa League, but just. Again, you know, in terms of drama and excitement, and obviously an absolute massive headache when you're trying to file on on the whistle and trying to get stuff done. When you get a turnaround like that, but um, you just said Norwich, really, that's more of a turnaround. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah although that wasn't a night game. Norwich True. was oh, Norwich yeah. was in the after, so you could I could, I could sit back and yeah. take hours over that. Oh, that yeah, was you, fine. you don't yeah. tend to do that, do you? No, no. no. Um, and I actually really enjoyed, yeah, Roma. Uh, although you know, again, as they said, probably expected to beat Roma, but not expected to demolish them in the way that Liverpool did in the in the first leg of that semi final. So yeah, there's been some great moments, and yeah, when you think about where Liverpool were when he arrived and where they are now, you know, I know, you know critics will point at the fact of you know, where's the trophies. You know, he's, he's won nothing, but you know, the, the Liverpool now compared to Liverpool when he arrived is you know, the difference between light and day. Dan, we'll come on to your best moment in one second, but I just wanted to ask you, James, what are your memories of the of the day Klopp arrived? Uh, I'm sure professionally it was a crazy day for you. Exciting day, I guess one of the most exciting days you've had since taking the, the Liverpool job. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was crazy. You know, I don't think I've ever ever been in a press conference quite as as packed out as it mm. was back then. Um, standing room only, and just. Uh, I just remember coming away thinking, "Wow, you know this this fella really is the the real deal." I think you know, I almost, I, I almost there was almost a sense of trepidation early on because you felt, "How does he possibly live up to the hype?" Because yeah. I'd never known a managerial appointment accompanied yeah. by such ridiculously universal approval. You know, we talk about people usually finding something to moan about. I didn't think I couldn't even think there was a single Liverpool fan who wasn't massively excited at the fact that that FSG had got their man. Um, and obviously he spoke that so well that day that there were so mm. many, so many great sound bites and, and lines. And obviously doubters to believers was the, was the main one and the normal one. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, I remember doing an interview with Tom Werner back before the Champions League final. And he said, you know, he, he's anything but normal. I mean, you look at the way in which he's transformed this club in, in three years. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably his biggest achievement so far, the fact that he has managed to live up to the hype because I, I didn't think that was actually possible. Dan, your favourite moment? Well, I'll just dive in on that because I was lucky enough to be at Anfield the day Klopp was unveiled as well. I was I was sent to do video and I've, I remember saying at the time to people, you know, you've got to remember what a low ebb the club had been at basically ever since failing to win that league title in 2014. 
And the following season was, you know, purgatory at times, really. And I was at Stoke on the final day when we were 5-0 down at half-time and got back to 6-1. And there was the feeling that how could Brendan Rodgers... And, I, you know, I always defend Brendan Rodgers. He gave us some of the happiest days as a Liverpool fan. But there was that feeling, how can he be there in August? And then when he was, we started reasonably well, if you remember. Then it, it wheels fell off pretty quickly. And I've never known a manager to lift the mood of a club, of a fan base... Before he, you know, before he'd even uttered a word, just just the appointment just seemed to kind of send a ray of light through the dark clouds that seemed to have been hanging around the club for a long time. And it was, you know, it was it really was a privilege to be there that day. I remember kind of tweeting something, getting a video clip of him arriving, saying something like Elvis is in the building, and it very much had that kind of feel that kind of this guy was just going to give us that kind of big injection of of belief of who and what, and a reminder really of who and what Liverpool Football Club are. And I think that really ties in with what my kind of most memorable moment of it is. I've, I've, I think in a footballing sense, of the ones we haven't mentioned, I'm going to throw in Coutinho's scoop equaliser stroke winner at Old Trafford in the, in the, the, oh, the Europa yeah, League, moment, which yeah. was a special moment right on half-time. It was possibly the most joyous half-time in football it's like history. Turning off, it's turning turning off the switch, wasn't it? With the, yeah. the noise that night. That's the way end that I've ever been in. It was you were in the way that night, yeah. yeah. Oh, it was it, it was special, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Because you know they they got the goal back after maybe about the half hour mark, and yeah. I remember saying to him, "We really need to get into half time here at one yeah. one." And as soon as he just got in, continue, he just thought something was going to happen here, mm-hmm. and it, that that was a very special moment. But in terms of the, what I feel is the most symbolic moments, and some people may laugh. Um, I remember, at the, at possibly around about the time of his first anniversary, we were asked to do a similar type thing, and I called it out then and got a bit of stick. The salute to the cop after Irigi's equaliser against West Brom. Now, it was mocked by plenty as, how can you celebrate a draw against West Brom? But, you know, th- I think, you know, to take that line, I think you need to be, you know, you're a little bit ignorant of the causes and the, yeah. the kind of the context so, to all yeah. that. Only a few weeks beforehand, Liverpool had lost fairly abjectly at home to Crystal Palace. And there were a lot of people leaving late on. And Cop quite rightly called it out and said, you know, at a time when we needed to support people, where, where, where were you? Mm-hmm. He'd, at the same time, he quite rightly said, listen, it's up to us to make sure that people don't feel they can leave. And, and even then, I was impressed with, by his willingness to kind of accept responsibility and not just pass the buck. But, you know, going back longer than that, there'd been a growing disconnect, I feel, between the club and the supporters for a long time. And so this was, what, December 2015. So we'd been there barely two months and he'd already realised that this potentially was going to be one of his biggest obstacles to success at Liverpool. And by calling it on the way he did and calling it out and taking steps, and it, you know, some people might find it a bit cringy, but at, to me that was a really important moment because it tapped into kind of really what I see and I think plenty of other people do is like the core identity of Liverpool, our USP, the holy trinity between the manager, the team and the fans. And in my 30-plus years of following Liverpool, I... I'm struggling to remember an individual. You've only who, been following Liverpool half your life. I've had our paper around. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm struggling to, to think of too many others who who have been able to kind of tie everything together and bring that kind of union back to the place it was. And as we all saw in Kiev, all right, it didn't go the way we wanted in the, in on the pitch. But that, to me, you know, that will go down as one of my one of my most memorable days in Liverpool because that the feeling in in the city centre in that fan park. Shevchenko Park and walking down to the ground to me that was that was like LFC reborn mm. and, and Klopp's played a massive part in that and whatever happens in the future I'll always be grateful to him for that Great stuff uh, my favourite moment is that Dalton's to Believers speech that he gave to LFC TV when he arrived I just thought it was the most 
perfect words that he could have come up with that day. I don't know whether he rehearsed it, but if if he did, well done. If he didn't, well, even even better. Um, it, it was a fan base at slowest ebb, and I think for him to come in and unite them in the way that he did, um, it just underlines how special a manager he is. Um, and I thought he, he summed that up perfectly with that speech. Okay, quickly, let's move on because we're running out of time. James, best signing? Oh, well, I think if you were listing his massive achievements, you'd have to say his record in the transfer market has been, I can't think of a Liverpool manager who's got a better hit rate. I think what if you were... If you were talking about duds, then you'd probably say Loris Carrius, but then what was he, four million quid? I mean, it's there are many, are in there? in modern football, it's absolute peanuts. I think when he's when he's spent a decent whack of money, he's got it spot on. Um I think you'd have to say the most important sign is Virgil van Dijk, just mm-hmm. because of the difference he's made made to the team. Um that you know, it's just ridiculous the defensive improvement there's been. Um and, and again you know, just he's a he's what what I like about him as well is just you know he he just sticks to his guns, doesn't he? He doesn't he's not interested in the noise around the club, you know whatever you know whatever pundits are saying, you know he really couldn't give a damn. You know it was all of that stuff before last season about you know he's you know if you're not getting Van Dyke you have to where's the plan B? You've got to go and get someone else and. The fact he just, you know, you know, and he, he's riled fans at times with some of his comments. Mm-hmm. I remember being in Dublin for a pre-season friendly when he said, you know, name me five better centre halves than what we've got already, and obviously people were naming fifty-five at the time. The, um, but you know, he, he stuck to it because he believed that he could get Van Dijk the following January. Wasn't prepared to back down, and now you know who would argue with with that decision? You know, Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, Genie Wijnaldum. You know, you think of what Liverpool paid for them and what they're worth now. Um, you know, I know it's still early days. Alison Becker as well. Um, again, you know, an example of Klopp saying that's the one I want. I'm not prepared to, you know, to 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 go down the list of targets. You know, initially, Liverpool were nowhere near agreeing a fee with Roma, and there was all that talk about does he does he go after a Jack Butland or a Nick Pope? And he was like, no, you know, if I can't get what I want, we don't sign anyone. I'll stick with what I've got. Got his man, and now Liverpool are reaping the rewards. Dale, best signing? Uh, I'm hoping this time next year we'll be saying Alisson because that'll have mean we've won the Champions League or won the Premier League. Um, got to agree with James, it's going to be Van Dyke or Salah, isn't it? Those are the two that have made the most difference. Van Dyke, when you look at that defensive record since he's come in, and Salah, all the goals, all the assists, all those magical moments last season. Yeah. It's very hard to look past Van Dyke, isn't it? You know, the, the authority, the presence the leadership that he's given to not just Liverpool's backline but throughout the team I think is you know he's a colossus and he he kind of always puts you of you know that, that's how Shankly termed Roy, Ron Yates who obviously was one of his key linchpin signings and it very much feels that, that um, Van Dijk is becoming the same for Klopp I throw one album into the mix because he's kind of readapted him almost in a similar way to what, to what Bob Paisley did with Roy, Ray Kennedy who was brought as a centre forward and ended up having a fantastic career as a left midfielder you know, I don't. Van, the Wijnaldum we signed from Newcastle is a different player mm-hmm. to what we've been enjoying in a red shirt. But I'd agree with Theo as well um, in in terms of the goalkeeper. But for all the progress Liverpool had made up to last summer, a lot of us had a, some degree of trepidation that that was all in danger of being jeopardised by not addressing the goalkeeper situation. But and halfway through the summer, all the noises we were hearing coming out of Anfield was that we're not buying a goalie. We're just going to try and muddle through. And when it became clear that we were getting him and he did sign, that kind of, I, I, I was, 
relief as much as anything else. And, you know, and I wish Carrius well. And I was sad to see him make a mistake in the Europa League last week. I hope he can go on and rehabilitate his career. But we had to we had to deal with that. And I'm sure you know Klopp was as forceful as he needed to be in getting over the line. And it's early days, but like Theo said, hopefully time will prove that to be hopefully certainly at least on a par with Van Dijk in terms of importance. Nobody's mentioned Andy Robertson yet. A, well, you just what had Joe. Yeah. For six million, he he's got to be a, cheap. Um, you don't you don't see many signings like that in no. in the modern era, do you? Where they go out Very and buy a, 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 a British fullback from a, a relegated club, and he's gone on to become one of the finest fullbacks in the land. Blast uh, from the past, isn't it? It's like yeah. Keegan from Scunthorpe for thirty-five yeah. grand. That's what Carragher said, isn't it? No one wants to grow up being Gary Neville. <laughs> the, yeah, I mean that that's another one of Klopp's great strengths, isn't it? Helping players mm. fulfil their potential. Think you know we've seen how much players love playing for him. You know that that unity and spirit that carried Liverpool so far last season. I think you can see it there again this time around. It's a very close knit group, and that that clump comes from him. You know it's interesting that we're talking about three years of Klopp, and you know the only you know, only the only real kind of bust up there's been with a player during that time is, is obviously Mamadou Sakho, and you know and Klopp showed then he can be ruthless when he needs to be if someone doesn't buy into that team ethic if they don't act professionally and and obey by the rules then they're out the door um but you know he's had very very few other issues like that to deal with because mm. players love playing for him and you know I think that's you know one it's it's a massive tribute to him the fact that he's been able to juggle all of those you know that, that you know those egos and big personalities and and get the best out of players be- and you know those man management skills, you know, are, are a key key part of his of his strength as a, as a manager. And just to reiterate that, I think if we if he wasn't injured, I think we'd all be sitting here saying Alex Oxlade Chamberlain as well because he, he came yeah. on leaps and bounds last season. And you think he's been a huge yeah. miss. I think he has Liverpool. been a huge miss. Yeah. I seen someone saying last night Liverpool haven't really looked the dynamic yeah. side that we were all enthralled to last season. Basically, since he got injured, right? I know we got five goals against Roma after he picked up his knock. But have Liverpool really kind of hit their straps fully since then? Possibly not. So, yeah, he, he, he's... And I, like many others, was very dubious about the signing, why we signed him. But he's proven himself to be a, a key player for us already. And it's uh, simplistic when you're looking at Klopp's signings because we've seen previous managers sign lots of players. Some yeah. stick, some don't. Whereas Klopp's got faith in what he's got. And he can, say, turn Firmino from a midfielder into a leading striker. Alexander-Arnold's come from the academy and he's now in the team. Milner's mm-hmm. having this Indian summer. Really Wouldn't have seen that. Lovren, who was virtually yeah, finished Lovren. under Rodgers, yeah. Absolutely. Lallana. Joe Gomez improved. Yeah. We could go on all day. But it's just we... the whole team, isn't it? <laughs> no, that's it. As I say, we could go all day, but we unfortunately can't. We are out of time. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, do tune in on Friday, where we'll be finding something else to talk about. I don't know what we're going to talk about then, because it is the international break. Hopefully football looks to return soon. Cheers, Throck. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.